Hey pals, this is Kara, and you are tuning in to the third, or perhaps 2B, episode of the Fangirls Podcast. Uh, this episode is the second half of the conversation I had with Sadie a while back now, uh, but I hope you'll appreciate it, even though it's taken me a little while to put together. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to Sadie about her creative endeavors and the things that she's into, so if by some chance you missed that first half of the episode, I would go check it out wherever you're listening to this, SoundCloud, iTunes, we're on iTunes now, I'm so excited, um, and then listen to this episode in which we discuss like all of her short films and goals, aspirations for future greatness, which uh, I'm very excited and enthusiastic and hopeful about. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's all for now. Uh, thank you for listening, and I'll see you around. Three, Three two, two, one. one. <laughs> it was mostly synced. Hooray. Um, Okay, oh yeah, so next on, I wanted to, like, talk about how you went from making lyric videos and things on YouTube and then into vlogs. Well, we've talked a bit about how you got into vlogs, and then from there, how you got into making short films. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I sort of used, like, um, because I was a child, like, I didn't really have, like, the the mental capacity to, like, flesh out tons of ideas just, like, right off the bat like making new kind of or making totally original new YouTube content. So when I was like 10, um as I mentioned like I would base entire sort of little tiny animation videos on songs I was really enjoying. And um music has always been really central to like my creative process and how I choose to make videos. Um so it really sort of like set the tone in in some ways for how I've always made videos like since then. Um, so I would pick a song and just go crazy with whatever animation I wanted to do. And, you know, I look back at them now and it's, I think it's really like sweet that I was doing it at such a young age. Like, not I'm like, oh, yay me. But I think like, <laughs> like, they're, they're just like so silly. But it reminds me that like, I did not even have an audience in mind at all. Like, mm-hmm. I was, that was a, a great example of a time where literally like when you don't have an audience, like what kind of stuff will you make and when when you feel like um no one is watching like how that how you feel like creatively unimpeded sort of um so yeah it was it was special in that way um and then I went into vlogging and then as I entered high school um I started taking like official film classes um with our brother's school like um with all the boys and um so at that time, that was when I really realized, like, okay, video is the thing for me. Like, I'm, I'm totally going to pursue this. And um, that sort of, like, built off the back of, like, the year before, um, when I was in eighth grade, I spent the month of February making a video every day, um, which I called the February Project. And that was where I first, like, realized, like, okay, YouTube videos can be anything like they don't have to be just the animations I did or just like um the vlogs that I sort of like dipped my toes into like you can combine and you can make them kind of like weird and abstract um and so that was where I like first started like playing with video and it was really exciting so on the back of that um like like building off of that I was able to go into my film class like really like energized and like ready to make new stuff um, so my freshman year, I just, I started writing a lot of little screenplays. I made like a couple silly little short films. And then I went into sophomore year to make Kiss the Boys and Make Them Die. So that was sort of like how that started. That's super cool. Um, also, uh, so your first three films are like Kiss the Boys and Make Them Die and then, uh, The Witch Hunt and then Something Not Unlike Myself. Um, as I told you last time, I did a little mini film fest a few days ago where I just like <laughs> watched all of your short films on the TV and it was really cool. Um, <laughs> it was just like magical. Um, so I feel like that's a fun thing that I need to do more um, <laughs> because it does like if you're just watching it on your computer screen, sometimes you don't get the same effect of like, wow, like look at this. <laughs> um, 
which was pretty cool. But oh yeah, the one thing that I had noted last time was that those three films especially, they all kind of deal with like various forms of like witchiness and possession and like a kind of darkness. And I wanted to know like what drew you to that at the time and were there specific witches or witch stories that inspired you? Yeah. um, First of all, I totally agree that you should always like watch movies in a spectacle sense. That's why I got a projector. They're amazing and I highly recommend. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I need one so bad. You do. It will change your life. Um, but I was really um I've always like been into like magic like stories. Like I was really big on fairy tales as a kid and um Harry Potter was obviously huge for me. But it sort of started becoming like a different thing as I entered high school. And I said to you last time that, like, um, I realized that, like, in retrospect, I can I can understand that I sort of saw magic as a kind of um, reclamation um, when I was in, like, early high school. You know, I wouldn't be able to, like, phrase it that way at the time. But, like, um, I think there's a certain feeling of, like, um, when you're, you know, 14, 15, 16, you sort of feel like the world is, like, taking things from you. Like, you just feel, like, um, sort of the opposite of that childlike, unimpeded joy that I was kind of just talking about. It just feels like, why am I different? Like, what's changed? Um, uh, how can I become what I used to be, sort of? And I was I was kind of going through that sort of melancholy at that age. And I, um, you know, I played with magic in my movies, I think because I saw it as, like, a reclamation of something that was taken. So, in my first movie, that that magic came in the form of, like, those magic fortune tellers. And then, um, via, like, a group of little, of, like, teen witches who, like, take advantage of a girl. And, like, um, or, like, a magic, like, jewelry box with, like, a, you know, like, a voodoo jewelry box. Like, I, I just was really interested in how that could play into, like, girlhood and how teen girls and different kinds of teen girls would use magic and how it would help them or hurt them. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, how, like, what witchy stories affected me, um, I read both Midsummer, Midsummer Night's Dream and Macbeth my first two years of high school, and I think they really impacted the way I made things. Um... I told you that I my 16th birthday party was fairy-themed, so I was, like, fairy-obsessed. Um, <laughs> I think that is so, like, amazing and adorable. Yeah, it was really fun. I made all my friends wear wings. <laughs> and then um, with Macbeth, I sort of, like, I was... My favorite part of Macbeth was always anytime the witches came up, I was just so, like, enraptured by them and, like, um, their whole vibe and how they had this power over Macbeth, who, who seemed like the all-powerful in a way. Um, and so I played with that in Witch Hunt, because um, I really loved the Macbeth witches. I liked the trio. I liked um, how they, you know, take people in and, like, take advantage of them in, in their own weird way. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like, I like those Shakespeare plays. I think, I think he's a cool dude. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And as I mentioned before, um, last year at GirlCon there was a panel on witches, and it I think I had to listen to it later because I couldn't be there for that panel. I was at the other side. Um, but it was so cool to hear about all of the different like ways that teens or teen witches have been portrayed and just like how that can be such a source of power. I think I hadn't really realized before then just like how cool it was to, like, have that thing within you that you could, like, then turn outward. And now, since then, I've just been, like, looking out for witchy things always and just, like, feeling that more. Like, I think they offer something so cool about, like, being able to imagine yourself as connected to and having some kind of power over the world, which is something that a lot of teen girls struggle with and I really relate to, obviously. Totally. Yeah, if, if you think about it, like, if if the entire, like, way of growing up as a girl, like, feels like you're powerless, like, you know, you feel, like, powerless in the face of, of, like, the world in general just based on who you are and how you grew up, like, it sort of feels like the world is working against you in a lot of ways. So, in a sense, like, magic feels like the, the antidote to that. It's, like, it's this network of, of, of power, of, like, beautiful powers that I can be a part of, um, and it, like, transcends reality. Like, what else could you want when you're, like, going through your own, like, stuff as an early teen but to feel like I'm I'm transcending, like, 
this world and I'm going somewhere else. Like, that that was a big reason why Harry Potter was important to me also. It just felt like, um, like you, you don't have to be in this world all the time. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Also, I think about this with Harry Potter because I used to think of a lot about, like, different kinds of fantasy because I read it a lot. But the fact that there is a muggle world and, like, it's not that, like, wizards are, like, just known everywhere, but that, like, they're very specifically hidden. It just makes it feel so much more real in a way that's, like, I think that made a lot of people connect with it. Right. Like, um, they were living sort of, like, parallel worlds. It wasn't, like... that's That's a really interesting thought. It wasn't that the entire universe of Harry Potter was magical, which, if you think about it, like, J.K. Rowling could have written it that way. It could have been, like, everything is magic. Um, but, yeah, coming from, like, a place where where we are, are existing and reading from, like, knowing Hermione grew up like we grew up, like, it makes the books even cooler in that way. Yeah. Were you heartbroken when you turned 11 and you didn't get a letter from <laughs> Hogwarts? <laughs> Oh my god, I don't think, I don't think I was heartbroken, I was more heartbroken, like, when, when the last movie came out, and I was like, wait, now there's no letter, like, like, literally, like, it just felt like, like, up until the last movie came out, I just did not stop the obsession, like, it's still there, but it was so active, like, I just, like, I told you, I listened to Harry Potter every night when I was falling asleep, all the audiobooks, and I was just, like, it occupied so much of my mental space that it just, it never stopped feeling real, you know? Yeah, is and it's so amazing the way that it, that a story can do that. And I think you've also talked about that in a lot of videos, just, like, how you can become so immersed in something, um, mm. but also to the point where it can be, like, it's not sustainable. Right. Oh, um, my gosh. That's, that's really true. It doesn't last forever, and... Having that realization as a kid when you read Harry Potter, just knowing that like it's finite and it stops and like you can't you can't be in that world, it's it's kind of a weird realization to have as a kid. Yeah, I know. Probably like in some ways, uh, reading prepares you for a lot of loss because every time you close a book, you're like, oh no, that's not yeah. where I live. Yeah, which is true. a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's I mean, it's really cool. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about your next film that you made, which was Foxberry. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge departure from the ones that you'd made before because it was all animated with, like, stop motion and the little, I don't know, were they plasticine? But they were little um, wireframe clay guys with styrofoam inside. They were so cute. Um, anyway, so it was just, like, really cool to see that and, like, the way that you created that world. Um, and I wanted to know, like, what was the inspiration and how was it dealing in such a different medium? Yeah. Um, the inspiration for just making... An animation came from um, I had spent like the, the previous six months like straight um, working on something that I like myself which was a really rewarding experience like I came up with the idea with my best friend in the summer and we worked on it non-stop until December when it came out and um, it was really I'm glad we did it but it was also kind of emotionally draining it was dealing with a sort of heavy topic a friendship ending um, and it's also just a lot of um, a lot of collaboration with people in um, in a sort of like stressful way. Like I love I love working with people and I love making movies and I love the collaboration. But it's also cool to know like like my film teacher says, movies can be anything, like literally anything you want, um, and it doesn't have to be with human actors. Like you can really play with the form and, and experiment with new mediums. And so that's what I decided to do um, in spring break after that December. Like, I spent all of spring break making that movie. So crafting the puppets and um, shooting it and editing it. Like, I, I, sh I did it in a week. And um, what I loved about it was it just felt like I loved knowing it was a thing I could do, you know. Like, I, I did it by myself, basically. Like, my mom helped me with some puppet stuff. But <laughs> it really was something, like, I was able to accomplish on my own. Which was really empowering, and I really, I really enjoyed it. And I also love, I love animation. I love the magic of animation and watching these little cutie puppets that I made like move and and act as like beings was so much fun. And I, I really like doing that. And I would definitely um, experiment more with animation. That is so cool. Yeah, it seems like. Uh, have you ever seen? Back before the final Harry Potter movie came out, somebody made a stop motion of like in the entire thing of book seven. 
Yes, I did see that. (laughs) Sometimes I think about that and I'm like, who would do that? But it's so amazing. Like you realize the commitment that someone will put or like uh, Ben, is his name? What's his last name? Ben in um, Parks and Rec when he Mm. like spends forever making this stop motion video and then it's like three seconds long. (laughs) But you realize, yeah, yeah, it's so much work. It's so like amazing when someone like really commits and does it. That is one of my favorite moment, moments of Parks and Rec of all time. <laughs> ben working on his claymation and just realizing it literally was like, blah, blah, blah. it stops after three seconds. Um, but yeah, I I love stop motion. It's I don't mind the tedium of it. Like I think that's fun actually. Like I love I I've always loved just like working with my hands, and that's something cool about stop motion that you don't necessarily get to do in just normal like live action shooting. Um, you get to like get crafty, which is like one of my favorite things to do, and it's really fun. I love doing it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so your most recent short film is called Heaven Ashes Me and You, and I've already told you this, but I love it, and I think it's so amazing in the way that it captures the feeling of loneliness that I feel like, and and well, loneliness and yearning as like accompanied as things together. And it and it feels like a really essential part of the teen experience, but also probably just like the life experience. Um, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about what it's about and what inspired it. Yeah, um, it's it's about um, the the central plot is a girl um, spends spends the night uh, working on this project, craft project. Um, She's sort of just experiencing a lot of feelings of longing throughout and eventually um, goes to sleep and invents a boy in her dreams. And it's about like the fallout of that and, and how that plays out. Loneliness was eating me. That night, this was my project. Making this little world with my X-Acto knife, a stack of paper I found in my closet, and a glue stick. And it, it, the inspiration for it came from just, like, the need to share a part of myself that I had not yet in a short film before. Um, and I just wanted to, to get vulnerable in a way that, like, I would want to watch. So, um, like, I, um, like the, the first couple months of school, like, I was working on this script about a relationship and, um, you know, this couple and, like... I was sort of trying to, like, incorporate those feelings of, like, yearning, but it was, like, into this couple, and it it didn't feel authentic to me at all. And I was like, you know what, like, let's kind of make this autobiographical, let's make this vulnerable, and just, like, strip it down and make it, and, and stop trying to write relationships that did not feel authentic to me or my life. So I made it just about loneliness and about, like, introspection. And um, I told you that it felt... It felt really scary to put up. Like, that was the most nervous I'd ever been about releasing a short film just because it felt like that's not even stuff I talk about, like, in my vlogs. Like, I told you, like, I get pretty personal in the things that I choose to vlog about, but it's just, you know, there's a certain line that I felt like I hadn't crossed that I was doing in that short, but ultimately I'm really glad I did it. Yes, me too. Like, I feel like it totally paid off. And I, I've also struggled with that because I think feelings of, like, loneliness and yearning can be really hard to express without being really embarrassing. And also it's like, how do you talk about being lonely if you're talking to someone else? Like, it seems like a contradiction. Um, mm-hmm, but I brought mm-hmm. up last time Taylor Swift, and she's one of those figures as well who, like, I feel like did an amazing job especially in her early albums of, like, she's talked about in interviews the fact that she really hadn't been in the relationships that she was writing about at the time, but then you realize when listening to those songs that, like, it's not about what the song is about, it's about Taylor and her feelings and, like, the way that she's trying to process or imagine a world for herself. And that's what I really loved about your film as well, is that, like, it is very personal in that you also see the creative process happening, like, the the girl sitting there, like, making this little world before her. And I think there's something so cool and so important about that. Like, it kind of goes back to the diary of a teenage girl and also, like, how she used her creative, like, comic drawing and stuff to deal with where she was at at the time.
right, and her own like yearning and loneliness, that's so pervasive in that movie. Um, yeah, I really like that you brought up Taylor. And it just made me remember that I once read this interview with Jack Antonoff, who produced a lot on 1989. And when him and Taylor were writing Out of the Woods, um, he said what he loved most about it is that it felt like she was singing to a stadium, like, um, her deepest, darkest secrets. Like, it just felt like she was somehow able to accomplish, um, the ultimate paradox of just, like, an entire room of people singing a series of Taylor's secrets, which, to me, was just, like, so profound, so cool. Um, and Taylor's really great at just cutting right to the the emotional core of things and not being afraid to be vulnerable and be embarrassed of her feelings, you know? Totally. I've learned, like, so much from her and from reading, writing, and interviews as well. Like, it's so, mm. it's so exciting. Uh, but yeah. I wanted to know, because it was so personal in some ways, was it strange to have, like, an actor playing an alternate version of yourself? And also, like, how did you make the decision to have your voice doing the voiceover? Yeah. Um, so the person playing the girl in the movie is my friend Lily, um, who's a couple years younger than me. And um, Lily has always been one of those friends that, I, like, she's one of the few people that I really, like, see myself in. Like, in terms of the the experiences we go through often feel, like, eerily identical. Like, she's just, I really relate to her. Um, I relate to a lot of people, but, like, her in a weird way where it's like, wow, you feel like me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't want to be the person in the movie because that felt too much, like, on the nose. Like, yeah, this is me. This is the stuff I'm going through. Because I didn't want it to be like that. But I did want it to f have this sense of, like, me but once or twice removed. And I thought that having um, me do the voiceover accomplished that in combination with her acting. So um, I tried it with her voice once, and it just, it just didn't feel right. But when I did it with mine, I was like, this is the exact combination of me and her that I wanted. So it was a little weird, but I liked it. Yeah, totally. It's so neat that like you just get the choice to play with all that. And also, mm -hmm. like if it had been somebody else entirely who had seen the film, like who had never seen your vlogs, they wouldn't know that that was your voice necessarily, mm -hmm. which is also exactly. interesting. It's like... I got, like, an insider, like, sneak peek into it. I was like, Sadie, it's her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I liked that, actually, that, that the people who watch my videos would know that that's me. Um, and that adds another layer to it. But if you didn't know, then it's fine. Like, the movie still works, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to talk about the projections because uh, for the people who haven't seen the the uh, short film yet, there's like these moments where she, the main character, she's like standing and there's like a sunset that's in her face and it's like mixed in and it's just like visually super stunning and I was kind of reading it as like the moments where she's like trying to inhabit the world or like trying to be a part of it or maybe like feeling that she's becoming the same thing as the world but I wanted to know like what your thoughts were and why you use the projections in that way. Yeah um so I had just gotten my projector like um a few a few weeks after I had storyboarded it and when I when I um, storyboarded it when I wrote out or drew out how I imagined the movie to go like I had initially um, had the idea to you know shoot that that sunset sequence with Lily actually in the sunset so like in a field somewhere like in a sunset like all the images that I ended up projecting onto her I had imagined them being reality first um, but when I when I got my projector I realized that had, that if I were to project the images onto her face, it just felt a lot more dreamlike. And it felt like um, that sense of, like, once removed from a situation that I wanted. So, um, you know, a lot of the movie is about, like, heartbreak and, like, um, the heartbreak of waking up from a dream and realizing it's not real and, and feeling like you're, you're a part of... you're almost a part of something but not quite. Um, and that... In a weird way, I felt like that, um, the projector as, like, a motif really matched up with that and aligned with the idea of not being quite there, like, almost there, but not quite. And then also, I just thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I mean, it totally did. Um, and I just, uh, 
uh, I love the way that it does like do that thing that you're talking about, like waking up and that feeling of like heartbreak of like being jolted out of a dream. Because whenever I'm in the sun and I'm just like close my eyes and you just like get into this dream state where everything's like warm and red and then you open your eyes and the color just drains. And I feel like that experience and like that moment of loss is something that feels to me or at least the way that I think about it is like really essential to teen girl stories um like I don't know if you've seen have you seen the uh the short film by Amanda Stenberg Blue Girls Burned Fast I have not I didn't know she made a short film yes um you can google it immediately (laughs) what what's it called called Blue Girls Burned Fast By the time you read this, I'll be far away from this festering pool of turds. Don't bother calling the social worker this time, Carol. I'm a ghost cat, and I've quit this town. Wow, I love her. I didn't know that she made short films. Yeah, it was um, as part of, uh, uh, like, I think her application for uni, I think, or for college. Uh, but okay. there's, it's, it's like... I was thinking about it after we talked last time because it is similar in some ways to the themes in your film. And there's this line where the main character, she's kind of been like transported back into this dream memory space of her old family home. And then she has the realization, she's like, this isn't home, this is a memory. Except she says it a lot better than that. There's no one here. There's no one here. We don't need anyone else. Aren't you happy here? This is your home. It's not, Leia. Why not? Don't you want to stay here forever? This doesn't feel like home. It's dark and empty. All this makes me feel sick. Then we'll burn everything. We'll build fires. We'll fill it with smoke and live in a house Don't made you of get embers. it, Leia? This isn't home. This is a memory. But it's like what we were talking about before of like having such an intense imagination and connection to like this fantasy world, but realizing that it's not sustainable and that you can't stay in it. That's like, yeah, it's such a weird realization. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of similar to the essence of what I was going for. But just, um, you know, feeling like something's almost there, but not quite. And that and that twinge that you get, you know, that's cool. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, just there's so many young filmmakers that I'm excited about. But also, before I, like, overload you, have you seen the movie um, Take This Waltz by Sarah Pauly? Take This... No. Is Sarah Pauly the one who made that really famous documentary? I've seen another thing she made, but I have not seen Take This Waltz. Yeah, she made a documentary that, like, seems like... Well, I won't... Stories We Tell? Is it yeah, stories the we stories we tell. Yeah. She's a she's a Canadian director, which is partly why I love her. But also, um, I think the movie might be like one of my favorites, and um, it's just like it's about a woman who's like in her twenties or thirties, and she's married. So in some ways, she's older, but in some ways, I read it as like a very teen like story, just in that it's about like longing and disconnection and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's just there's the scene um, where she's in some kind of ride at like an amusement park and it's in a room and there's like bright lights and you're swirling around and video killed the radio star is playing and it's just like whoa it's so just like swirly and magical and you see her face and she kind of like seems to get into like a trance And then the lights cut off and the ride ends. And it's like the most abrupt, like heartbreaking moment because you're just like, oh no, reality. Right. And like that moment was also something that really struck with me. And I just like, I think you should watch that movie. It's it's like that feeling. It's a dream ending. But, you know, in reality, that's amazing. I'll definitely watch that. I loved Stories We Tell. Yeah. Oh, she's really, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from like the teen feelings and heartbreak and loss. Um... There are so many skills involved in filmmaking, and you talked about this a bit before, but, like, 
how do you deal with like the kind of need to like coordinate and be a boss in a sense and have you always like felt good with that or have you improved over time? Mm, that's definitely it's weird because I've always like I was a bossy kid and like I, I'm definitely not like a like meek or timid but like that being said like I mentioned earlier the first year I took film it was at um, our brother school, which is an, obviously an all-boys school, because my school, the all-girls school, did not have a film class, so I took a bus there every day. Um, and it's weird, because I was talking with my friend who was also in the class at the time, and we realized that when we were in that environment, that all-guy environment, we kind of stepped back, and, and things that we knew we knew how to do, um, we didn't really offer ourselves up to do, just because it just it felt like weirdly imposing. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm this, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm. Um, and that, you know, like, I was, I was, I knew about, like, feminism, and I knew, like, I knew theoretically all this stuff, but you just realize um, that you were holding your own self back. Um, and what was such a, like, blessing, and, like, one of the many amazing things about all-girls school, um, getting the three years of essentially all-girl collaboration has um, really given me the chance to find my voice as, like you said, like a boss and a leader. Um, and, you know, who knows if I would have had the same sort of, like, leadership style on set if I had been with boys the entire time, because that does affect the way um, you feel and, like, you know, it's subconscious. It's it's a thing that you've been taught your whole life, but it's like, I should step back and let them do this. Um, but yeah, just developing that that sense that, like, it's okay, and, like, I I'm, am allowed to do this, and I know what I'm doing, and I've, I've studied, and I've, I work hard, so, like, I'm allowed. Just knowing that, like, you're, like, creating spaces where um, you're, you can be the leader, and, like, when you're in spaces where that's not necessarily welcome, like, doing it anyway. Um, It's hard. It's definitely a process. I still kind of have to, like, remind myself to to step up sometimes. Um, But, yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. Mm, Yeah, totally. That's so powerful and just important because I do think, like, as someone who does more writing than anything else, like, writing, it's, like, obviously you're the one in charge until, like, you have an editor and stuff, but filmmaking is something that, like, needs so many different things coordinated, and also it has such a huge disparity in, like, male and female directors and people who are in charge and stuff like that, that, like, Mm -hmm. you go. Keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. It was weird, though, like, just thinking back to that time, like, um, you know, I'd been making YouTube videos for a while, so, like, I knew how to work cameras. I knew editing software, like, the back of my hand. But just being in, like, male-dominated spaces, it does something to your brain, especially at a young age, just feeling like, no, they know. They know better. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I need to let them do it. Um, Even though that, like, I could see that wasn't true. Like, your rationality is impeded. Um, So, yeah, like, I just, I feel very passionately about, like, encouraging any girl who wants to enter a male-dominated space, any any oppressed group entering a, a... majority dominated space like just freaking go for it because the only way that's going to change is if more and more people do it you know yeah totally and also like starting collectives like I noticed at the end of um Diary of a Teenage Girl that it was like partly sponsored by Women Make Movies I think is what it's called which is like I think like a women's collaboration thing and then for a while Emily Diana Ruth had like a thing that I feel like still hasn't come off the ground. I don't know. But it was something about, like, women making movies. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. I think that's in the works still. I'm waiting. I'll just, yeah, like, hold my breath. She's, she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she's always cooking something up. We don't know yet, though. Yeah, do you talk to her? Like, are you friends? We're definitely, like, like we've, we're, like, YouTube acquaintances after a while. Like, I met her at LeakyCon. Like, we're definitely, like, that type of internet relationship where we, like, fully support each other's content. So... She's, I think she's the best. She's so cool. <laughs> and actually, that's the other thing that's interesting about the internet as well, is that there's people who I realize now, like, I've been involved in some part of their life for, like, years, mm. but have, like, never talked to them or never met them in person. Yeah. Which is such a strange thing, but it's it does make me excited about just, like, the future and when people become, like... 
like having creating things be like a part of your full-time job thinking that like oh this like you could collaborate like in an actual sense and like meet up with these people and form like a physical network Mm. which is really really exciting right and something cool about youtube is like i don't know in an age of like linkedin culture like what to me often feels like fake networking like youtube is literally like when you think about it networking like you're building a network of people who will support what you make and like something i'm really excited about is just seeing the inevitable ways that like youtube will like um weave itself in and out of my career as years go on because i just i already feel it's it's effect in my life and i'm just really excited to see how that will play out you know and i'm and it's already affected emily's life as a filmmaker for the better because she you know got the waters fine funded from an indiegogo and it's just it's so powerful. Yeah, I forgot about that too. But when I watched The Water's Fine, I had contributed to the Indiegogo, so my name was in the credits, and I was so <laughs> excited. I felt like yeah. so proud, even though I like I really hadn't like contributed to any of my art to the movie. But but it's it's awesome, you know. Like when when you can harness um, the support of people who watch your videos, like why not do it? I think more power to you. Yeah, totally. And we talked last time about The Water's Fine, and specifically about it in relation to like movies about specific places and like that movie takes place uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it it's like a short film that takes place in cottage country in Ontario Canada and it's like this very specifically rooted in there and it's not somewhere that I've really been because I live on other parts of Canada but it's something that I know Emily has really has connections to because she's made vlogs about it and like just having that groundedness is so cool uh so of course, the question then goes, like, what role does Texas play in your filmmaking and, like, your identity as a creator? Mm-hmm. Um, I love Texas so much, and it's one of those things, like, I just feel like it's in my blood, like, um, like, I sort of have, like, a, like, my parents are from very different, like, my mom is from a small town, very, very small town in Texas, and my dad's parents immigrated here from Egypt, so I just sort of have like a mixed bag, like um, like where where my family's from. But I've always felt like Texas is just like such a crucial part of who I am in a weird way. And like um, as a creator, it's it's really exciting for me to be from Texas because um, as I've talked with you about, like um, there are a lot of amazing artists who come from Texas that inspire me as a filmmaker. So one of my favorite directors ever is Richard Linklater, who did um, Boyhood, um, Before Sunset, all kinds of, Days and Confuse, all kinds of amazing works. He's such a versatile director. Um, and he, you know, is, is based in Austin, which is such a film town. Um, it's sort of like one of the big film cities in America. And that's where I'm moving next year for college. So... Yeah, it's just, it's a really exciting time to be a Texan artist because there's so much opportunity here and there's such a, like, lively film scene, especially. Um, I think Texas is such a unique landscape to work from as an artist. So, you know, you have you have so many, like, amazing urban environments. Um, but you also have, you know, like, I went on that road trip with my best friends to Big Bend and you have, like, incredible nature and and landscape um which inspires me to make you know cool stuff so i'm excited about it yeah i'm excited too i just yeah we talked about this before and i think i just talk about this in general a lot but growing up reading like young adult stories and the catcher and the ryan whatever i always had this idea of myself going to new york and like my life being centered around new york because that's how the Mm -hmm. world worked and that's like Mm -hmm. where the creative people go so it's so refreshing growing up and like absorbing these different stories that take place in different places that instead of like seeing all of like the creative powers being sucked to one place you're like oh no you can like place yourself anywhere on that map and wherever you come from that place like has value and there's something there that's like really important that can be shared instead of feeling like you have to fit into the stories that you've already seen totally yeah and and just realizing that every every place on earth really like has creative potential and opportunity and um when you use that and when you when you tell your truth and um speak about where you came from in your movies um in some way like that will just make it more authentic and more beautiful because it's it's different you know 
Um, like, I think everyone is sort of, or at least any kind of creative type has been through a New York phase. Like, I definitely went through mm-hmm. one. Um, where you just feel like you, you have to be a certain type of creative person to, like, make it or whatever, whatever that means. Um, but you just don't. And it's, in fact, it's better and more interesting to um, talk about where you came from. You know, like, I love hearing, um, you know, from Emily's movies about, about small-town Canada and just talking with you right now about our differing, um, the way, our differing, like, ways we grew up. Like, that's such a, that's rich, like, fertile ground for creativity, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me, like, I won't go on about it forever, but there is a huge history of Canadian artists and writers moving south because, like, they could mm-hmm. get paid in America and they, like, didn't have the same publishing and filmmaking networks in Canada. But, like, Seth Rogen mm-hmm. is someone who, like, has come out of Vancouver and a lot of his stuff is very American, but also there's, like, Canadian things in it. And I think it's so interesting to, like, track that. It's kind of cool. That is super uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, like the, the forces of inspiration that are in your life that seem like super clear in your vlogs and your videos, because you both have like a very strong musical taste that always comes through, but also your room and like the decorations, like they just create such like a character and like a fairy tale space. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know like how you find the inspiration for those and like why it's important to have those things in your life. Mm, Yeah. Um, yeah, I see my room as, like, a, like, a long-term art project, like, um, it's, it's just any time I, I, I find, like, a vibe that I love, I try to incorporate it into my room somehow, so that ultimately, like, when you step into my room, it feels like me, that's, that's really important to me, um, I, I want my room to be just, like, a super safe space, um, even, like, like my house is a safe space, but, like, my room in particular is just, like, mine, and it's, like, my only little tiny place on earth that's totally me. So, um, inspiration for that just comes from all over the place. So, um, I love, I love anytime I watch a new movie, I love, like, incorporating, um, maybe printing out the poster and putting it on my wall, and I have a big wall of quotes on sticky notes that I, I think I've put in my videos before, where, Anytime a quote resonates with me or, or just a little thought or an idea, I, I write it on a sticky note and slap it up there. And I've had, like, years' worth of accumulated quotes on that wall, so I get to see, like, mm, that meant something to me then, and this meant something to me a month ago. And um, I get to see, like, the progression of selfhood, which is pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I think I think teenage rooms are super fascinating. Um, and then music is just, like... I don't know. It's such a, it's such a crucial, like, emotional, like, stabilizer for me. Like, not to sound like, ooh, music, I'm so pretentious. Like, just like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I, as I talked about in videos before, like, I really associate time periods with music. Um, so when I get into, like, a certain artist, like, I'll remember that time by, by that, um, by that movement of music I was into. So, I think music is a great accompaniment to inspiration and, and just hearing um, in the same way, like movies do the same thing, but just hearing someone's perspective, that's, that's, it's just raw, like another human's perspective. Um, it's, it's just so beautiful to me. And like um, last night I watched the movie Amadeus and I had never mm-hmm. seen it before, but it's this incredible um like, biopic doesn't even do it justice. Incredible, like, masterpiece about Mozart. And it just reminded me about, um, like, I love classical music. I love a wide range of music. It just reminded me the, about the emotion that went into every note of Mozart's stuff, right? And, and how, you know, music has changed so much over the years, but the core is always just an emotional, um, an emotional need to, to share something. And I think that's why it's it's so um, important to me as an artist and as a source of inspiration. And, like, the other thing that I think is cool about filmmaking that you do, like, really well is just the idea that you're working in so many disciplines and that you have to, like, curate music and, like, coordinate. I mean, obviously, if you were working on a major film, you'd have a bunch of people to do different jobs, but mm-hmm. you're still, like, bringing all of these different art forms together. And mm-hmm. I wondered if we could use that to segue into talking about the journal project 
journal project. Uh, could you describe what it was and like why or how the idea started at the time? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the journal project, um, what eventually became um, to be known as Journals Opened, What Our Secrets Say About Us, the official title, um, nice. was um, it was a basically a curated exhibit that I put on last summer at a local gallery in my city um, that basically um, presented the, the very personal and most secret diary entries from about, I think it was 150 teenage girls. So um, it didn't matter if the person who sent it in was a teenager at the, um, like at the moment of sending it. All that mattered was that you were a teenage girl um, when you put pen to paper and this is what made, it made you feel. And so the exhibit itself was, um, was like two rooms. Um, one room was a three-sided wall, which organized um, the entries into these murals. Um, which were of three topics or of three categories, crushes, intensity, and self-loathing. And then um, in the courtyard area, I had three projections of sort of abstract short films that I had made, incorporating all of these entries into films um, at, within those categories, crushes, um, self-loathing, and intensity. And, um, yeah, should I, should I talk about, like, how I got those entries or that process yeah and just like also I guess like why you needed it at the time or like I don't know Mm -hmm. just like I think it's really cool it's something that I feel like I would have wanted to do but never actually gotten around to yeah um it came about the idea came about because I was sort of coming out on the other side of a kind of like melancholy like few months where I was just feeling really like in a funk and off and I wasn't feeling like myself and when I read the entries, when I was on the other side of that funk, when I read the entries from that time, it just made me think, like, wow, like, if I'd had these, um, if I'd had these, like, uh, earlier, like, before I had been in that zone, like, I think it would have helped me um, to understand my own feelings more. Um, and just, I don't know, like, I, I also just wanted to see if other people were going through the same things in their own journals, like, I, I, like, a part of me was genuinely, like, what do people write about? Like, am I the only one who's doing, like, like, it was a genuine curiosity, like, I want to know, not in, like, a Snoopy way, like, people can do it anonymously, but, like, what are teenage girls writing about? And how do people use this really amazing format um, to express themselves? So, I reached out to my audience on YouTube, which is relatively small, but really full of, like, pretty amazing teenage girls who are really into journaling and really just introspective and awesome. And I said, like, if you're, if you're interested in invol- being involved in um, a project where you, I would use your journal entries to create something, like, let me know. And I started receiving, like, entry after entry of just incredibly moving, um, deeply beautiful and also, like, heartbreaking entries from tons of teenage girls. And I just felt like, okay, like, I need to find a way to do these girls proud and make something really great that and meaningful that would mean something to them and that would also make people respect teenage girls in a different way. Because, like, teenage girls just get beat up on so much by the world, it seems like. And I just felt like if everyone read everything that girls are going through, like, you would see girls in a different way, and you would see people in a different way. Um, So I I worked for the next few months on on curating them and organizing them into those categories and figuring out how the movies would um, come together. And a local, an alum from my school offered up, I, I organized a meeting with her, and I pitched her the idea, and she... She really loved it, and she was like, okay, you can have the space this night. You can do whatever you want. I'm in full support. And so we did it, and it was just one of the most, probably the most meaningful creative endeavor I've ever been down, just because it felt so collaborative and so meaningful. And by the end, like, like it didn't feel like it was about me. It felt like it was about all the girls who sent me the stuff, you know. Um, it just felt like totally, like, 
an amazing way to show people like who teenagers really are. And by the end, people told me that they, you know, they learned something and that was all I really wanted, you know. Mm, I love that so much. And I just let, like when you were making videos about it and last summer we played clips at GirlCon, like we were so inspired by it. And just the idea, I mean, a lot of things, but I think like one of the major teen girl diaries that we get is like Anne Frank's diary, which is so interesting because it also has been used as like a historical document, but it's from such an intense uh, perspective and like point in history that I also think there is something so valuable about having these like current present day voices and like right. also the getting to like physically see someone's handwriting and like the details yeah. like that. That like we talked about, like they bring the internet to life in a different way that you kind of forget about sometimes when everyone just has like the same comment font. It's not you don't you don't get all of that same individuality. Yeah, yeah completely. And you know, like I was getting emails from, you know, girls who didn't make videos but who watched my stuff and who commented a lot. And suddenly I have like their secrets in my hand, and it's it's incredibly moving and incredibly sad a lot of the time. And it just made me um, see my own audience differently. Like I, I, not like I think about their journal entries when I when I read or when I read that they left a comment, but just knowing, like, wow, first of all, you trusted me with with that. Like you sent a journal entry into the void. Like that was meaningful in itself and kind of like made me emotional. Um, but also, like you, you're feeling such intense, like raw emotion all the time that often the world doesn't respect and whatever I can do to make the world respect it via art like that's I consider that like my job you know oof yeah oh mm -hmm. my gosh I'm so excited this is like I've told you before that you need to make uh movies about like coming of age stories for girls and stuff <laughs> um I do want to ask you quickly, like, what advice would you give to other filmmakers or especially, like, young girls or young, like, non-binary people who want to get into filmmaking mm -hmm. but maybe don't know how? Mm -hmm. um, to that, I would say um, really pay attention to what you like. Um, like, everyone knows that feeling when, when you're really affected by a piece of art, whether that's music or movies. You just get that feeling in your chest, like, whoa, like, hits you. Um, pay attention to the things that you think about for days after you watch them and figure out why you like them. Like what's, what's the core there and, and, um, how can you tell your truth in that kind of way? And then from there, you just have to go for it. And it sort of speaks to what I was saying before about, um, you cannot be held back by, um, the majority whatever that is, not that the majority is like the enemy or whatever, but you cannot be intimidated out of uh, following your dreams. Um, and so I would say to any aspiring filmmaker, that, that includes me <laughs> from past and present, <laughs> that you just have to keep pushing forward and it will result in, in, um, in something meaningful and real. <laughs> next generation of filmmakers arises <laughs> i just like see them all from the like, ashes <laughs> <laughs> totally um i have some like kind of rapid fire ish final questions but like you don't have to like spit it out immediately mm -hmm. um but first of all what do you envision yourself doing over the next 10 years or so like what's your plan um screenwriting and directing in austin and los angeles that's kind of my thing but also like I I just want to work in film like I that's it's not like I ex I wouldn't be naive enough to think that I would like enter into the industry do industry doing that but that's definitely the goal yeah work with oh my gosh work with R Richard Linklater on the mm. like fourth before midnight or whatever series like film that would be amazing it is my dream when I go to Austin I'm I'm gonna try to get into the Austin Film Society and just meet him at least I love him so much oh my gosh yeah that would be so exciting it's so cool um and also like what are your plans for the summer you're more like immediate art plans yeah um so because I've spent a lot of energy in high school making sort of like heavier emotional movies um I really want to just be challenging myself more. Um, so I, I talked with my film teacher about how I really want to, like, take a hard left and, like, write, like, um, more uh, dialogue-driven stuff. 
And I feel like, I don't know, like, I, I definitely, like, have humor, but my movies don't necessarily show that at this point. So I want to write something funnier and lighthearted and just make as much stuff as I can this summer. Uh, what movies do you turn to when you're sad? Mm, when I'm sad, I do a lot of old favorites. So that includes Ratatouille, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> yep. Amelie's another huge one. Amelie is like, that was a game changer movie for me when I first saw Amelie, just because, I don't know, that is, a, that is such a magical, have you seen Amelie? Yes, it's that, like one of my favorites as well. It is just a great example of like magic on film. Like I just, that's, that's definitely one I, to watch when I'm sad or down in any way. Um, and then I really recently, I just love Inside Out so much. Um, I thought that was another great example of like complex emotion, like shown in such a cool um, cinematic way. So yeah, I also love Boogie Nights. <laughs> mm, nice. Um, what is inspiring you right now? Mm, okay. Um, I said this to you before. I love Joanna Newsom, and this week particularly, I love the album "Have One on Me" by Joanna Newsom. Um, so layered, so lush and emotional. I love it. Um, I really also, I rewatched recently the movie The Graduate. It's another favorite for me. And um, I'm so inspired by the tone. And I love Simon and Garfunkel. And I love, um, I think it's just genius cinematography. So that's another one. Um, I really love the 70s in general like fashion and um, vibes and everything. I just, I, I'm really into the sentiments of the 70s right now. Um, and then lastly, I read um, A Streetcar Named Desire last week for the first time. I loved it. I'm so into like, um, you know, that, that dramatic emotion, but also just New Orleans and the visual of New Orleans, um, which I went to the first time last summer and I love and I want to go back to. So yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> also, um, very important question. What is your favorite song to dance to? And also maybe like part B to the question, what is your favorite Beyonce song, either to dance to or not? <laughs> oh, gosh. My favorite song to dance to. Like, does it have to be like pop-y? Or can it be just like anything? It could be like a sad slow dance or like a waltz or something. It doesn't It doesn't matter. I like... I like like swaying to the Grateful Dead in my room. <laughs> I, I love one of my favorite songs ever is Box of Rain by Grateful Dead. And that's just a really great there's a scene in Freaks and Geeks where Lindsay Weir does the same thing where she um, you probably remember where she discovers the Grateful Dead and just like sways alone in her room. I just I love that scene, so I like doing that too. Beyonce song is Freakum Dress. Ah, nice. It's That's my favorite. A, yeah, <laughs> classic Beyonce. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I am so excited that you were on the show. I feel like we have just been through a whole other thing after we did like the first interview and we made it through a second one. Hooray we us! Did. <laughs> it was so fun. I loved it. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited and happy that you are our first guest. And, like, I just can't wait to see what you go on to do. And also, like, you could totally come back on the podcast sometimes and be like, hey, look, I made another thing. And then we can talk about it, and that would be fun. <laughs> of course. Anytime you guys feel like having me on, I would love it. I love, I love everything about GirlCon and you guys. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you. Next time, we'll have to have Anna on too. The like time zone thing, I think, would be a bit tricky, but we'd work it out. 
I guess I just, if you have anything else to add or if you just want to let the people know like where they can find you on the internet. Um, yeah. Uh, anything. Oh, one other thing I wanted to add. My, my number one teen girl hero. I remember this the other day. Mia, Mia Thermopolis from The Princess Diaries. I couldn't believe I forgot it. But yeah, she's my favorite. And I would recommend just a, a, to throw, um, throw out this idea to anyone. Read the Princess Diaries series because the movie's great, but that's a teen girl hero if I've ever had one. And she was like my first. So oh my she's the best. And yeah, also, have you read? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. Yeah. I was going to say, have you read all the books? Because I feel like I read like three or four and then it went on forever. Yeah, there's, there are like literally 14 books and I've read all of them. Oh my gosh, amazing. <laughs> a star. And if you like journals and you like that teen girl, like peeking in a teen girl head, that's a great great place to start. Um, people can find me at Defense360 on all social media. So that's Defense, D-E-F-E-N-S-E, 360, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, come hang out. I'm, I'm personable. <laughs> Yay, it's true. I can attest to this. <laughs> um, you can find the podcast at fan underscore girls, G-R-R-R, that's three R's, L-S, at, on Twitter and probably other places. But I'm still working out, like, how podcasts work and <laughs> how, where it's going to happen. But, I mean, I think we're getting there. It's going to be good. Um, I'm so excited about this. Um, thank you for listening, and thank you, Sadie, for being here. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We did it, and it was just as fun the second time. <laughs>